When I was preparing for this sermon, I think that sometimes God wants to give you an example so that you can talk from the heart rather than from just the words on the page, because this week um, basically was a storm. Um, we have the auditors where I work, and for those of you who don't know, I work for uh, Title 19, which is Medicaid for the state of Florida. And since I'm the solution architect, when the auditors come, uh, I get to sit in front of them and and spout off everything that uh, we do correctly and shut my mouth if we're not doing it correctly. Um, so it, it becomes a very full week. And when we look at this as an example in our own lives, we see all of these storms and everything we read the newspapers. I mean, even this morning, there were more shootings. There was an earthquake in uh, Taiwan this morning. There is so much in this world that is happening around about us that causes us to think and to, you know, sometimes you want that mentality that... Um, that builds the bomb shelter and goes and hides because um, otherwise I'm not going to be able to protect myself or my family. And when we read about the story, um, you know, we have this wonderful story of Jesus. He's out there teaching again and he's tired. I can't imagine how tired he was, because here is a man that everyone wants a piece of. Everyone wants to talk with him, wants to be with him. We see this so often with famous pastors. If you've ever been to a camp meeting or a week of prayer on an, on an Adventist college campus, when they come in to give those week of prayers or to give camp meeting, everyone wants to talk to them and wants to talk to them all night long. They're trying to prepare these wonderful talks twice a day, and yet they hardly have time to eat. And so we see this picture of a very tired man. And he tells his disciples, we've got to get away. Let's all go out in the boat and let's cross over to the other side. Because there's only so many of us that can fit in this boat. It's small. And because of that, we can restrict the number of people in here. And then I will go in the back. And I will go to sleep. If you're ever on a small sailboat. And you don't trust the person that's in charge of steering that sailboat. You won't go to the back. And you won't sleep. I can guarantee it. And so here we see that picture of a person who knew who was in charge. A person who could go to the back of the boat and could go to sleep. He knew about the Sea of Galilee. It's a large lake. He knew that sudden storms could come up with the winds coming down off the hills and the bluffs around. And it could happen almost instantly. We see this group with him of disciples, many of them fishermen, 
They'd been out on this lake. They knew these storms, but they couldn't sleep in the boat. This boat was sinking, according to them. And yet, here's this man in the back, and he's sound asleep. There's water coming in. The waves are high. Lord, don't you understand? We're all going to die. What's your problem? Wake up. So he does wake up. And then he, he says something peculiar. He says, you have little faith. Calm down. And he stands up and he says, be calm. And it all is calm. But how is it that this person could be so calm when the storm is all about? We see so much of that in his life when he was here on earth. That storm that was all around him. We see the storm of his good friend Lazarus. This was a house that he could go to. That he could... In our words today, let his hair down. He could just be himself and enjoy the company of good friends. And yet, he hears the news that his good friend is dying. When we know our relatives are dying, what do we do? We find the plane, we get on it, we go. We've got to go now. They might not last. What does Jesus do? He continues to minister to the people while this storm is all around his good friend. We also see the time when Jesus is up north in Galilee and his cousin is in prison. His cousin, John the Baptist, is in real deep trouble. And he sends his disciples to go up and see Jesus. And he says, are you real? He's got some doubts. But because of the time and the place in Jesus' ministry, he couldn't go down He had to tell John the Baptist disciples, watch what I'm doing, listen to what I say, go back and tell him. So many of these storms that happened, we, at the first of this year, we had the elders up here and we read that prayer, the elders and the head deacon and the head deaconess. And we read that prayer that Jesus gave for his disciples where he says, these people I'm going to leave here. And I know they are going to be hated by the world. But I pray for them not to take them out of the world, but I pray for them to be in the world as your witnesses. Isn't it amazing? He doesn't pray to take them out of the world. He prays that they will be able to do the task that is ahead and before them. We see 
right after Jesus has left, we see Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. And they present Jesus before the Sanhedrin. And when they do, they say, well, arrest them. Put them in prison. So they seize them. They put them in jail. What happens? They start singing. It's just wrong, right? When you're in prison, that's the whole world, you know, it's like the old saying, you're not paranoid if the world is out to get you, right? The world was out to get them at that time. But here they sat and they sang. We see Stephen. He's about to be stoned. What does he do? He looks up and he sees heaven. And yet, while they're stoning him and he's seeing heaven and you see him fall to his knees hurt, he says, Father, forgive them. We see the crowd attacking Paul and Silas, flogging them, throwing them into prison, being put with stocks around their feet. And yet they are rejoicing. Paul says, I rejoice in the stripes I have received for my Lord Jesus Christ. There is a story of the prisoners being escorted to Rome, one of them being Paul. And they're out in the Mediterranean and a storm comes up and they are dashed against the rocks. Their boat is destroyed. And what happens? Paul stands up in front of them and says, don't worry, we're all going to make it. How do you know that? Don't you understand? We're sailors. We understand this boat is collapsing underneath us, and you're saying we're going to make it? We see him on that island with all the prisoners and the guards there. They've all made it. They build a fire. And who does the snake go after? It goes after Paul. What happens? Nothing. It's just amazing that he can be so calm when the world is collapsing around him. When we think of being able to sleep in the boat, of being able to understand what it is that God has for us that can give us that peace. I want to present this morning five points on areas where God has given counsel, promises, leadership, and guidance to His people because we live in the world and God does not promise Contrary to the gospel of prosperity, God does not promise us peace from the world. He promises us peace in our soul. We have to remember when we're looking at these five areas. First, you have God's purpose. God's purpose has been laid out for us. 
the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel are not meant to scare us back into the church. They are meant to show us that God is in charge, that he is leading, and that he will guide us no matter what. It gives us that wonderful, blessed hope. Because storms come into everyone's lives, we cannot avoid them. They are there. They are everywhere. But one thing we can know, we know who's leading the boat. Because if that boat's being guided by God, I can go to sleep. We have, when we talk about Revelation and God's guidance and his purpose, we have to remember in Revelation 1, chapter 9, where it talks about John, and he says, I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus, was on the Isle of Patmos because the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus. He was there because of Jesus. And he chose to be there and to suffer those afflictions and to suffer that isolation. But while he's there, he has given this wonderful revelation that tells us God is in charge. Don't worry. Many people, I remember at um, when I was at Green Lake, and they were build, when they built their new church there, it's a wonderful church. And they hired a stained glass artist from Portland to draw up some designs of what they would do in stained glass to put up behind the pulpit in the back of the church. Be beautiful representations. And so this lady read a little bit about the Adventist church. And she came with these designs of dragons and beasts with four wings and all of this, you know, nine-headed hydras and all this stuff and showing all this spectacular stuff. And the church said, no, that's not it. You don't get it. So what there is up there is Jesus and the earth made new because that's what's coming not what is. This lady's mind was changed. She thought, oh, I thought you were all about this. And now I understand because I see what it is that you have. And I want a piece of that. Number two, you are in God's prayers. Isn't it interesting? We... We often pray for others and we think it's wonderful. It's wonderful what happened with Sister Pelto and the prayers that were given for her and, and the healing that we see from that. And praise God. Amen. But we have a high priest in heaven that is praying for us every day, all the time. What an awesome thing to think about. God prays for us. And he cares about us intimately. And we have those examples from John 17. That wonderful prayer. 
before Jesus leaves. And what we started off this year, I encourage you to read it again because it shows so much about how much God cares about us. We also have the assurance of his presence. We have these phrases, we have this assurance that Jesus says, I am with you. I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you, to let you know there is power, and my word will be with you. He asked God, he says, I want you to be with them. Not only that, I want you to be together with them as I am with you. Isn't it awesome that the God of the universe wants to be as intimate with us as he was with his son when he was here on earth? It is so awesome to be filled with that, to understand how much he wants to be with us. We also have God's power. We can see that working in our lives. If we allow ourselves to be quiet, to eliminate the roar of the earth around us, we can see that power in the still small voice. We think of Elijah. He has just had that powerful session on top of Mount Carmel. He has brought down fire from heaven. So it seems to me that if it's me and I just brought down fire from heaven, why am I scared at 400 prophets of Baal that the queen is going to send after me? But what does he do? He gets scared and he runs. Now, does God do what I do and lecture him? That's what I would have done. You idiot, I just showed you what I can do. And now you're running. Why? No, he doesn't. He puts him in a cave. And outside the cave, he shows the chaos of the world. He brings by the whirlwind. He brings an earthquake. He brings fire. He brings all this stuff. And he says, that's not me. Listen, I'll talk with you. It is so awesome to see that God that God understands where we are, not where he wants us to be. We also have God's peace. That peace that allows disciples to sing when they're in prison, that peace that when you're being nailed to a cross says, Father, forgive them, that peace that when you're being stoned to death says, Father, forgive them. In the midst of the storm, We can sleep in peace because God is there and will be there. He is with us 
And in this world of chaos, when we put that relationship with Jesus Christ first, and it's the only way it's to put him first, we can sleep in the boat. There's an ancient story about a king who created a contest. He was sleepless at night, and he was restless, and he finally said, you know what I need? I want a painting to hang in my bedroom. I want that painting to be a painting of peace. So what he did, he called all his scribes, he called all his heralds, and he said, go out through the kingdom. We're going to have a contest. And in 30 days, I want you to bring all the famous artists, anyone who wants to paint, bring their paintings here to the king's courtyard. Bring them all here, and I'm going to judge them because I want the one that describes peace the most to hang in my bedroom. And they will be honored among all artists. So the heralds went out to the kingdom and they went far and wide and they announced this contest. And of course, if the king asks you to paint, I mean, it seems like quite the honor, doesn't it? I mean, I'm going to paint my best. Children, adults, everyone got out the paints, started to paint. Because if the king likes what I do, I will be rich, I will be wealthy. In fact, I'll probably be the artist in residence and have a job for life. So the day came. And the courtyard was filled with paintings, large ones, small ones. The king began to walk up and down each aisle. And you can imagine there's ones of a mountain in the background with the sun glistening on it, a pasture, a lovely stream flowing through it, one of sheep grazing in the grass, one of, who knows, calm seas, King walked all the way up and down, up and down. When he's done, looking at all the pictures, he stopped, he turned around, and he went to one. It was kind of in the middle. It wasn't necessarily set out. And he stopped in front of it. And he said, this is it. I want this painting in my bedroom because it's peace. And his counselors looked at it and they said, no, no, this isn't right. This is not a painting of peace. And everybody looked at it and goes, oh, you're not right there. This is no, this isn't a painting of peace. It showed a seashore. But it was a stormy seashore. The waves crashing up against these large rocks. And if you were there, you could almost, you could hear the noise and the thunder of this pounding sea over and over. The, guy, the skies are gray. And these cliffs are getting pounded over and over. And they said, that's not right. And the king says, no, look right there. In the middle of the picture, on one of the high banks, is an eagle's nest with a small eagle in it. 
and the two parents sitting next to the eagle. And they're just calmly watching the sea. That small eagle was at peace. He wasn't scared because he knew he was safe. It's the picture of peace. Peace is not tranquility all around us. Peace is inner. It's inside when the world is going crazy. Amen.